Chapter 28 of the Great Sinners of the Bible. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Larry Wilson. The Great Sinners of the Bible by Lewis Albert Banks. The Easter Conspiracy. Some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders, and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night, and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. Matthew twenty-eight eleven to 15 Modern cities have not gained so many points in deviltry after all. It is very easy to read between the lines here and see the skeleton of a whole political machine. The governor was the city boss in politics. He was a carpetbagger from Rome. And though he was independent of these fellows in a certain way, he found it necessary, in order to keep his fences up and hold himself solid in the saddle, to keep a strong political machine among the local politicians at Jerusalem. These elders and chief priests talk a language that is very well known in our modern towns today. It is the language of the man with a pole. The soldiers, scared out of their wits, came hurrying as fast as their legs could carry them into the city with the marvelous story that while they watched the sealed tomb in Joseph's garden, suddenly the earth rocked to and fro under their feet, and a great being clothed with lightning came down from the sky and rolled away the huge stone door from the tomb they were guarding. What could they do but flee? And fortunate they considered themselves to have escaped with their lives. Something had to be done at once to quiet the town. If this true story of the resurrection of Christ went abroad among the people, if these soldiers went about blurting out the simple truth, the whole town would believe in Christ and accept him as the Messiah, and the ecclesiastical politicians in Jerusalem would every one of them find himself a statesman out of a job, in short meter. In their excitement they send out messengers and gather in the chiefs of the ring to decide on a course of action. It does not seem to have occurred to them to accept the truth as it was, admit that they had been deceived and had been in the wrong. They would risk their souls by continuing in the wrong rather than lose their political control of the city. And so they devised this scheme. They reason, these soldiers are poor fellows and get barely enough to keep body and soul together, and a little money will go a long way with them. So we will just draw on the boodle fund and bribe them to keep still, for we shall have the whole city about our ears unless they are silenced. The moment, however, they began to talk to the soldiers about keeping still, new difficulties arose. The soldiers said, We are willing enough to take your money and keep still, but we have got to have something to tell. We were left to guard a tomb with a dead man in it, and the seal of the Roman government was put on the tomb, and now the seal has been broken. The great stone door has been rolled away. The man is gone. The grave is empty. What are we going to say about that? To this the schemers replied, You shall say, His disciples came by night and took him. At that the soldiers laughed in scorn, and replied, Nobody would believe that. 
Have you seen those disciples? You know who they are, twelve ignorant, untrained fellows. There is not more than one of them, uh, that fellow Peter, that has a spark of fight in him. And when this Jesus was waiting for trial, he swore he never knew him, and went back on him entirely. Beside these men there are three or four women that have been crying all the time since the crucifixion. We never could make anybody believe that that crowd of weaklings came and overpowered a company of hardened veterans like us, when there was nothing to gain by it but to get a dead body. Then some more cunning man among the plotters said, uh, Tell the people that you fell asleep, and while you were sleeping, these fanatical friends of his came and stole his body. Yes, said the soldiers, that will put us in a pretty pickle. We shall lose our necks that way. You know what it means for a Roman soldier to get caught sleeping on guard. His body goes to feed the vultures inside of twenty-four hours. Then up spoke a sly old elder, with a leer and a wink in one eye. Don't you worry about your necks, uh, that sleepy story is the best yet. You tell that, and if it comes to the governor's ears, and he shows any disposition to make any trouble for you, I have a pull with the governor, and I'll stand between you and all danger. And so the soldiers were finally persuaded, and went out carrying the money in their pockets, and with their parrot-like lie on their lips, to explain away the resurrection of Christ. It is very interesting and suggestive to note that a diverse group of people will sometimes be gathered in defense of a bad cause. Shakespeare makes one of his characters say, Misery doth acquaint a man with a strange bedfellows. And politics in defense of a bad cause many times illustrates the same fact. A gentleman in Southern California went out to look for some of his stock that were in danger because of widespread forest fires. When he came upon them, he was astonished to find not only his cattle and horses, but a deer, three wildcats, a coyote, and several rabbits all alive, and apparently in no fear of him. They watched his approach with indifference, the timidity gone from the big-eyed deer, fear taking the place of venom in the wildcat's purr, and a professed honesty shining in the gray coyote's face. The rabbits sat on their haunches, as meek as the pets of children. The rancher drove the stock through the smoldering brush, the deer going along with the cattle, the rabbits hopping along at the rancher's heels, and the coyote and the wildcats keeping pace with the rest. But when the burning field was passed and the danger of immediate destruction no longer threatened, the deer broke into a run for the distant hills. The rabbits were away like a flash, and the old defiance of snarling leer came back to the wildcats, while the coyote plainly showed that he was the same old cowardly slouching thief as of yore. How often we see that illustrated when to save the domination of some corrupt and wicked political machine in a city, saloon keepers and gamblers and prize fighters and thugs and deacons and elders and even an occasional preacher will flock together rather than see the corrupt machine go to pieces. We have here another suggestion which deserves the greatest emphasis and that is the crime of leading another man to sin. These soldiers were an ignorant type and poor, and but little opportunity for intellectual or moral cultivation, while the men who were bribing them were men of education and culture and wealth. 
yet they deliberately bought these men up as they would purchase so many calves in the market and sent them away with the hired lie on their lips and no doubt if you had approached them about it they would have had some plausible excuse on their tongues and would have claimed that the end justified the means but according to jesus christ to cause another man to sin is just as wicked and damning as to go and do it the sin yourself do you remember that heart-searching declaration of jesus when he was setting forth the value of a little child and said but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea in that day the mills were handbills and the grinding was done in stone basins with another stone worked by hand that sort of a millstone was just about heavy enough if it were tied about a man's neck to sink his head under water and drown him a great many people condemned to death were executed in that way so that christ by his illustration must have meant to teach that to cause another person to do wrong is a capital offence this is susceptible of very wide application down at the heart of things it means that our attitude toward our fellow-men must be one that shall in so far as we have the power lead them in the right way we cannot draw back with cain's question on our lips am i my brother's keeper and expect to escape condemnation when we stand at the judgment seat of jesus christ there is an old story of edward the confessor which tells how he spent thirty years of his life in poverty and exile while the cruel and rapacious danes ruled england at last after the death of the most powerful of the danish kings the english people high and low recalled edward to the throne of his father and when he had been welcomed back by the people and had been crowned and anointed as king and had been honored by all the kings of europe his treasurer and his courtiers thinking to gladden the heart of their king who had known so much poverty wished to show him the riches of which he would now be the royal possessor and so they took him into his treasury and showed him large barrels filled with the yellow gold and the white silver treasure that had been raised by cruel and oppressive taxes from the english people they thought their new king would be charmed and delighted at the sight but they soon learned their mistake the old story says that the king saw a sight they did not see he saw a fiend or demon or evil spirit sitting on the treasures mocking and sporting at the miseries of the people he seemed to see the blood of his poor subjects on the money which had been extorted under the name of danageld a tax that was supposed to be used to get rid of danish pirates but which was really put into the coffers of the king the king's heart was sore to think of his people so dear to him who had been pillaged and despoiled so he caused the treasures to be returned and no more to be raised in that cruel way no man can look over modern life even in our own country under the stars and stripes and see money brought into the treasury by licensing the liquor traffic the stains of blood upon every piece of it the blood of drunkards the red heart's blood of drunkard's wife the blood of little children and behold the corrupt political machines that in our modern cities sell the law for so much a statute as at an auction that protect gamblers for a reward that use the police force not to enforce righteous laws or to protect the interests of the people but as a threat by which to extort tens of thousands of dollars through blackmail and know this money is used to fatten the creatures of political rings and to bribe the base and ignorant 
and so perpetuate the brutal rule of the political boss without praying god that in every one of our great cities there may be leaders like edward the confessor who shall rise up in the majesty of manhood to scorn the blood money wrung from the sins and sorrows of the poor but as every question of reform resolves itself back to the question of personal righteousness it remains for every one of us to smite with all the power we have these vicious influences in modern society which degrade and ruin manhood and womanhood it is better to fail while doing the best one can for the right than to shout with the victorious party at the loss of self-respect through having compromised with the wrong we can stand by with fidelity and share the fate of the righteous in the community a ship arrived at san francisco recently which had been two hundred and ninety-six days from newcastle australia she had been in great peril in a storm at sea and had had long delays one night when she was in great danger the captain asked the captain of another ship to stand by through the night and the captain did so at great risk to his own vessel and his own life but finally was the cause of the salvation of the other vessel as soon as he was safe in harbor the captain of the ship that had been threatened with wreck gave his first attention to show his appreciation of the other captain's assistance and sent him a gold watch and went before the council of the city of sydney and told the story of his heroism on learning of it the sydney authorities presented to the noble captain a medal bearing his name on one side and on the other the simple inscription the man that did stand by in the midst of the campaign for righteousness that is going on in our modern life when the liquor traffic the gamblers the plunderers the thieves and the political demagogues club together to debauch the courts to entrap the unwary to brutalize the poor to stir the passions of the people so that the poor shall hate the rich and the rich shall be suspicious of the poor and all this for selfish aims and purposes in such a fight i want to share the fate of righteousness to be no more popular than jesus christ would be if he stood in this place and sought as of old to make it easy for men to do right and hard for them to do wrong rather than anything else i would have christ look down upon me and say the man that did stand by end of chapter twenty eight end of the great sinners of the bible by lewis albert banks